Hi, I'm Adrienne Toch, and this is FinOps Pod. Last time we met and I was like, oh, my hair is a mess. And you yelled at me and said, I'm not your mirror. So I will never fidget with my hair on a Zoom call with you again. (laughs) 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 Forgot. I forgot that. (laughs) Do do you remember how to start this? Hold on. Let me. I do. I can do it. Hi, I started I'm by saying hi, I'm Stacey Case. And then you say, and I'm Joe Daly. And then you say. We did, okay. I was trying to figure. And this is FinOps Pod. I go, hi, this is Stacey Case. Okay. And you say, hey, this is Joe Daly. I was trying to and like. And one of us yeah, say, was, this is FinOps Pod. Apparently I did Mrs. Doubtfire. I totally forgot about the Doubtfire thing. I just played the last one. It's been a while since we recorded this, so I totally. When was the last time you released one? Uh, December? Mid-December. So we've had like a two-month break. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hi, this is Stacy Case. And I... <laughs> You're Joe Daly. I'm Joe... <laughs> Just, do you want to do that again? Do you want to do yeah, that again? Do that again. You... Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Stacy Case. And I'm Joe Daly. And this is FinOps this Pod. This is FinOps Pod. We did it. FinOps Pod, Pod, Pod. Good we job. We did it. So we were just talking that mm-hmm. it has been a long time since you or I, you or I, or you and I, I don't mm-hmm. know, one of those. Us. Recorded, when since we have recorded an intro for FinOps Pod. It really has been. I kind of, I meant to get one out in January. It just didn't happen. A lot happens. We have, you know, yeah. wrap up the year and then planning for the new year and then internally within the foundation. A lot going on to get. FinOps X setup, making sure people are registering. We have a call for papers, reviewing all of those. I mean, it's been a busy. It has been. Like, we're two two weeks into February. It's been a big, busy first part of this year so far. Yeah. Everybody has. I've gotten to participate in that call for papers submission process Mm -hmm. this year, and it is like the hardest game of Tetris ever. Yeah. The quality i had to give bad news and tell some incredible talks that i was like this is really good how can we not have it on it, it, and you just can't because all the pieces have to fit together yeah but i'm being opportunistic and i'm hoping to record some of those for the podcast so we'll... <laughs> that's really why you did <laughs> but it's so true though like mm-hmm. because we had so many submissions we try and by we i mean you guys, all of you that were on the committee, were really trying to make sure that there is diversity in the level of the talks, making mm-hmm. sure that we have representation from different areas as far as topics. So we don't have, you know, 20 talks on, right. I don't know, on. how to be awesome. You know, like right. there's not 28 talks on the same thing. So it's like, how do you do from like that 100 200 300 level and then also have a nice array of talks it's just listen i guess it's a good problem to have that right. we have such a caring community that's enthusiastic about what they do that they submit talks yeah woe is us this wasn't easy <laughs> i did it last year and it was a challenge then and it only was more so this year so kudos to everybody that was on the 
committee. But like you said, hopefully we'll be able to plug some of those folks into other conversations. It's really good. June will be here before we even realize it. Hold on. Um, if we think about how far FinOpsX is away in FinOps pod, mm-hmm. it's probably only three FinOps pods away. Might <laughs> get the fourth one in. <laughs> Hopefully there's more than three, but you know, it's really so, <laughs> the rate that we're going right now. Really? Not. If, you, if, if, if we're using FinOps pod episodes as a timeline, it's almost 2025. <laughs> Ah, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're super excited. Super excited. I'm very excited. Mm -hmm. More information to come soon, unless you're listening to this in the future. And the information is already out there. uh, So go to x.finopsx. And tell us how you liked... Well, don't tell us how you liked FinOps X. Yeah, tell us how good it was. 2024. Yeah. If you are from the future, please tell us a couple of things. One, how did it go? Did we have a good time? Did Joe say anything that was really funny? Or did he just fall down? Because I want to know these type of things. If Let you're from know. the future, which is five FinOps pod episodes from now. <laughs> Please let us know how it went. All righty. So, Joe. Yes. Who did you speak to? Mm-hmm. What are we going to hear about in this FinOps pod? Why should I get excited? Well, you should get excited because uh, it's Adrian Tosh, who is most recently of McKesson. And it's a really super interesting conversation because uh, we started talking just in a normal conversation. It wasn't being recorded for FinOps pod or anything like that. And then I started to realize she's a really interesting person because She's a FinOps certified practitioner. She's part of the Mm -hmm. FinOps community, but most of the folks in our community are either in IT or in finance. Adrian is from the business side of things. She's the business persona. Um, So it was really interesting talking to her about how she came to discover and really fall in love with FinOps. Uh, It was really interesting conversation. I stopped her like halfway through and I said, do you mind if we restart this conversation and record it? And so that's what we did. And she's sharing her story. And it's really good because I think a lot of people will be able to see a lot of similarities between themselves and Adrian. But Mm -hmm. Adrian's background is in supply chain management, which is not a lot of our community's backgrounds, but they're going to see a lot of connections there. And well, I think it's an insightful story and conversation. And just happily enough, it involves toilet paper, incontinence, and FinOps. Oh my. Oh my. Is that going to be the title? Toilet paper and continents and FinOps. FinOps. Oh Oh my. my. I don't know. Does Adrian want that? When people Google Adrian later, are they going to be like, you know, the top result? (laughs) Toilet paper and continents and FinOps. Oh my. I would say let's do her a favor and not make that the title. Okay. That would be the unofficial title of this episode is Toilet Paper and Continents and FinOps. Oh my. However, it will not be because we do not want to impact anyone's career. Just as a reminder, like my whole focus in FinOps is helping people advance their careers. So I'm really anti, you know, anything that will hurt their careers um, because they were kind enough to share an amazing story, such an amazing story that you cut them off, ask them if you could record and start it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's not that's not how we make friends, Joe. It's how people (laughs) stop talking to me. 
Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Well, I'm really excited to listen to Adrian and what she has to say and learn from her. All right. Let's jump right into it. Wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Again, I do have access to sound effects. I don't need your assistance with sound effects. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually, I'm going to go a bit into my story today, but mm -hmm. I'm going to talk a little bit because there's a lot of background I'm sure that we all have with how FinOps is the new secret sauce in climbing the corporate ladder. And yes. we're going to go, as I go through my background, we're going to talk cookies and crackers some toilet paper, IOT, and then the cherry on the top will be adult diapers and incontinence. And really, if we just were to sum up kind of where I am today and what I've been up to. I've had the opportunity of holding a number of different roles within multi-billion dollar corporations. And my most recent gig, I did become an executive at a Fortune 10 company, which is like top 1% of employees by the time I was in my mid thirties, which is exhausting just thinking about it. So really, when we're gonna get into the, the bulk of FinOps here, but my big thing throughout my entire career is always being and staying as close as I possibly can, regardless of what role I have within an organization to the P&L. And that's meant multiple different things over the last 15 years. And really, if we, we think about the P&L in a couple of different ways. So a lot of people, when you say, hey, what does that mean? They immediately go to revenue. Well, hmm. that's great. Revenue is extremely sexy dollars are better, right? Your actual profitability, what hits your bank account. And so that's a continuous theme. Again, I will reiterate it throughout, but how do you really understand your dollars if you don't understand your costs? P&L, just so anyone who doesn't have, anyone who's not close to the P&L, get closer. It stands for profit and loss. So that's, yes. well, it's like your internal financial statement for your department usually. Definitely. And, you know, here's the incoming cash. That's good. And then the outgoing cash, which is good or bad. It, so, and it's yeah. great. And we all have our own personal P and L's as well, right? When we're managing yeah. our own finances, it actually is a simple concept. When we think about marketing, for example, when you think about large organizations, actually, they become so large that they will within different groups say you're one and only KPI for the year is let's pretend it's ROAS or return on ad spend. Well, if you were managing a business, you could say, okay, if I'm only focused on ROAS, I can get a 5,000% ROAS and I'm gonna advertise the smallest product that we have and we're gonna make it go gangbusters, but it's only gonna equate to, I don't know, let's say $100 in my bank account. Or you could say, I'm gonna go after a much larger brand, but I'm only gonna get 30% ROAS, but now that's $100,000. Now, these corporations, what they've managed to do is they fragmented everybody so much that you'll have an entire group that's maybe not incentivized on always making the best decision for the largest amount of money for their bank account. And right. so again, theme on theme on theme, it's regardless of even if your incentives aren't aligned to what ends up hitting your statement, think about your personal bank account if you want a sustainable business, you should always at bare minimum understand what it truly would be like have visibility into the largest dollar amount and then start thinking through and talking through if i were having a conversation with the cfo or the president 
what are they actually incentivized as all the different groups and KPIs come together and it'll really skyrocket your career. And you're not always going to be everyone's biggest fan when you start adding in other different complexities, but it will definitely help you be considered a thought leader and really driving the business. So this is good already. My personal experience mm -hmm. and the reason why I can thank you know, straight for our news throughout life. When I was in high school, I was very proud of myself. I was a high school slash, I was doing joint enrollment at college student. And at the end of the semester, I said, I don't need these textbooks anymore. I'm going on to Amazon. And I posted it. I think my textbooks were maybe $20, $30. And it ended up costing me 50 to ship it from Georgia after you go to USPS over to the West Coast over to California. And I was like, well, that was dumb. I consider myself a relatively intelligent person, but I really need to understand supply chain. And so that's where it all begins. And we're going to fast forward about, I don't know, a couple of years. I get out of college. I'm at Kraft Foods and I am a sales representative and we are measured on our KPI cases per in-store hour and obviously our top line revenue with our sales. Well, we find out, you know, I get in there and I have merchandisers. Well, when the truck doesn't arrive on time, that eats up an hour, three hours, name it. All of a sudden, all of your metrics say declining. So again, how do you come up with programs to help incentivize and really ensure that you have the visibility to improve workforce management? So I'm a nerd. You'll get that very quickly if you haven't already. I'm that person that raises my hand and says, hey, I want to get on the truck with the truck driver. I get up at 3 a.m., Go do a route, figure out what's happening, understand where the hiccups are, understand where the cost is. Well, it turns out you don't have visibility. And again, that's a big thing within FinOps too. It's nice that you know these things, but how do you actually track and measure? I learned that we don't really have a lot of systems in the organization. So my poor coworkers are having to fill out manual surveys. I hope they don't still hate me to this day to build a business case. And it being very blatantly clear, I need to get into analytics. So within my career, ended up transitioning and working at Nielsen, which is one of the top analytics companies, did that for a bit. And now we get into the most fun part, which is toilet paper. Everyone uses it, loves it, you name it. So with toilet paper, we have a number of scenarios within that organization. I think I had five plus roles in the course of seven years. So I'm going to keep wait, it wait. really, really. Hold on. You just said, we. you just segue the toilet paper and then you said you had five plus rolls so i just want to yeah, oh my gosh and unintended that's amazing <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and was <laughs> sorry i was like we're gonna Wait. have so much fun with these potty jokes shortly here <laughs> so was the rolls at nielsen or or is nielsen's not in toilet paper is it georgia no they're no, they're not. It was Georgia Pacific. So um, <laughs> I did spend at Nielsen two years on site at Georgia Pacific and really loved the culture and the people and they their understanding of the P&L. They're a private company. We're going to go straight to the role. So one yeah. fun fact about the toilet paper industry is I'm sure everybody's experienced this. Regular roles is, is what we would measure everything in. Continually lose sheets regardless of the brand, regardless of the company. So if you're in an insights role, which I was in, Everybody, again, is very interested in, let's talk about the end consumer and the segmentation and how do we get the most revenue? What's the marketing plan? Me, I love all that, but I was like, wait a second. I'm now having to go into retailers and sell them that we just removed. We haven't really, we, you know, you make some enhancements, but we're taking 11 sheets off of the roll. And of course, they're not happy about it. Pricing stays where it is. 
So all of a sudden became obsessed with activity-based costing for supply chain because my only sales tactic or technique that I felt like I had at the time was to walk in and say, hey, when you take 11 sheep fall from a roll, it makes your dimensions much smaller, which means we can fit more on a truck, which means you can fit more on a truck and you can fit more in your back room and more on the shelf and you get all of these supply chain efficiencies. So again, we're not quite in the digital realm yet, but we are leveraging operations and the financials to really sell a story, leveraging insights as to why this is a great deal and you can meet more customer needs because you can fit that extra item on the shelf for that extra variety that they never had because we just shaved off some more stuff. Backwards, mind F a bit, right? right. <laughs> to break tomato sales techniques, but it really was kind of a game changer on helping people understand the importance of or not even the importance, but taking, you know, the different alternatives of you do one thing and how that starts impacting other things and helping people in a greater good. You right size the toilet paper roll and yes. we're able to pack more toilet paper onto the shelves yeah. and into the trucks. Exactly. So a lot of efficiency and it impacts pricing as well. So it, it ultimately sounds like a horrible thing, but it ends up being a very positive thing. So we did that with toilet paper, paper towels, all sorts of different paper products. And Again, and I know this is going a little bit, we're not quite fully on thin ops today as we know it, but it's still this labor of how do we understand mm -hmm. our cost? How do we see how it impacts everything that we're doing? It also became very interesting too, because again, going back to that siloed mentality, when you're the person calling up the ops individual and saying, I don't understand anything about supply chain. Can you break it down for me? Can I ride on the truck? Can I do X, Y, and Z? I just... And so incredibly grateful for all the people that actually took the time to say, hey, thank you for caring about my area of work that I do day in and day out. And thanks for asking all these questions because not everybody receives it in the same way. So I've had a lot of really great coworkers, mentors, and name it, who've taken the time to explain things. And actually, ultimately, we've all learned from each other and appreciated it. Okay, so now we go into, you know, you're going into these retailers and they say, holy crap. Amazon has come and they're stealing our customers. And what do we do? And it's a big unknown. So this is around 2016. And at that point, everybody was like, okay, we're just going to sell directly online. Well, what does that mean for a grocery store when you start selling product online? It is a lot, lot more expensive to do small parcel freight. So typically, because you can send a truck and I don't want to disclose a bunch of costs, but let's say mm -hmm. you're sending full truckloads of products it's costing you, I don't know, at least five times less than what it would if you were to hire the UPS, FedEx, USPS, you name it to go ship it across the country and a small parcel freight to somebody's home. And so initially it was like this panic knee-jerk reaction where everybody goes into e-commerce and they say, let's talk about how mobile and desktop and people are shopping online and how we're going to market to them and the consumer segmentation and all that. Fun and games until you realize that that 1% of your business that you're trying to respond to and try to figure it out, it becomes 5% of your P&L and completely fundamentally changes your operating model and the way in which you do business. And now your CFO is seeing this bubble up and they realize, wait a second, and this is like major retailers across the country. I don't even have the visibility into the analytics to see what was sold online versus what we sold in store, let alone if it was buy online, pick up in store or leveraging a concierge. It was like being at the right place at the right time with the passion of, okay, I get to launch an e-commerce capability, really talk about my favorite thing, which is supply chain and leverage the analytics and understand again, the operation. 
And it just keeps getting better because now we're going to get into digital. Are you ready for it? Now yeah. they're not told we know it. Okay. So somewhere along the way, because I am a random person, an individual said, hey, you're smart. Why don't you go run pricing for away from home? Which I sometimes question that person because that was a really kind gesture, but running pricing on a, a different business that I knew nothing about, God love him. He, he put me in the position. And the first, I would say the first two weeks were a little rough. And my value add to the team was having a Microsoft Teams board that everybody put their activities on of what they were doing just because I had zero clue. But point being, if I figured it out, <laughs> we're all good. And my team at one point ended up starting to price out Internet of Things. So we were launching this new, um, it was dispensers and paper towels. And for paper towels and toilet paper, we had partnered with other companies that have toilets, right? So what you do is you start getting an understanding of what happens or how do I understand consumer behavior or end user behavior when they go to a bathroom away from home? How are they using paper towels? How much toilet paper? How many times are they flushing the toilet? Is What are they using for their soap? And what that does is it helps with going full circle back to workforce management in high traffic environments like airports and stadiums and office buildings, because now you're able to say, we need this amount of people instead of stopping at 12 bathrooms, let's go to three and let's go to these different areas. And, and here's the product that you actually need to lug along with you along the way. So I think, Joe, when we were talking earlier, I was talking about how arrogant I was at this point because I'm like, I figured out this pricing thing. I like costs, whatever. IoT, I know we use AWS at the time. We were a large customer of them. And I'm just like, IT, give me the contract. I'll read it and I'll understand the cost and we're going. Like, keep it moving. And 43 line items later with, um, I think it was like SageMaker and Redshift and S3 and all this stuff, I had zero clue. It was a very humbling experience. So again, thankful to all the people in IT because I called them up and said, I need to get on some sort of training program. And at the time they had Cloud Fluency. Was, and I jumped on board with that, became a solutions architect with AWS, so certified solutions architect, which was very, very cool. And became obsessed because really all it was was supply chain, but it was digital. And, and so when I think about best thing in Whoa. your career to invest, yes, Jeff. Well, it's kind of funny. You pass by that nine out of 10 people when they learn the cloud. Like, and we'll just use AWS as the example here because yeah. that's what we're saying. And I did the same thing because my background is in finance. I took the AWS cloud practitioner. Mm -hmm. You took the one that's that's not the bare minimum. You took the not bare minimum one and yes. you're like you said, you're in supply chain, you're in the business side, not the IT infrastructure side. It's not your background. You did the solutions architect. That's pretty awesome that you did that. So. Thank you. I started with the practitioner and mm -hmm. again, just loved, loved, loved it so much that I had to move on. I had to go to that next the solutions architect. I think and people to this day, or people in general ask, hey, what's the best investment you've made in your career so far? And I've changed my, as, as of yet recently, I've actually changed it. It used to be cloud, 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 and more cloud. Go mm -hmm. get your certifications and whatever with cloud, whatever that means for you, go figure it out because we are entering a digital world. And whether you sit in finance or marketing or sales or you name it at some point, 
someone's going to ask you to sell some sort of service in the cloud, price out some service, market, understand it. It's amazing. Okay. So, so now I'm going around and I become obsessed with the cloud, still sitting on the business side. That's a big point too. People throughout your entire career will say, especially when you're like us, right? Interdisciplinary, always interested in different areas to solve a solution. They'll say, well, what are you doing? You need to be in IT. Why aren't you in supply chain or in operations? And and just say strongly, sit in the area that you want to sit in and recognize that some people are going to receive it well and other people are not going to receive it well. And that's completely okay. Like you're, you're learning to be able to empathize and problem solve with other individuals. But mm-hmm. I digress. So anyway, <laughs> I'm costing out, I'm going through, we figure out how to cost out the IoT solution. Now being that annoying person that's like, well, why are we sitting in the West when in reality we should be in the East because we're not going to have egress costs. Like I become that annoying person sitting on the business. <laughs> it is okay. You're like... That's awesome. Because you have to always remember you're not the expert that does it every single day of the week, but you can have innocent questions and treat it as a learning opportunity. And it's truly a growth, fun exercise together and very humbling. So mm-hmm. ended up in that. And really that catapulted me. So I'm just going to fast forward because we went from toilet paper. Now it's going to incontinence. Yes. Yeah. Pod has been waiting for a good incontinence conversation. I mean, we've landed, we've made it. So... When I, I left Georgia Pacific, again, fantastic company. Um, it was during the pandemic. So you can imagine the chaos related to toilet paper. And in my department, I had strategic analytics, e-commerce and pricing, and was also managing a random distribution center at the time in Georgia. So just all you over ate, the place. So during the toilet paper shortage, the great toilet paper shortage <laughs> yes. of 2020, you... <laughs> I love your career. So random. And this is the pivotal moment. So like I I joke, it's so I thought, wow, I may die selling toilet paper one day. I may need to just (laughs) potentially entertain some other areas. My other big moment also in my career where I thought, you know what? It may be time for a change was when if we backtrack to craft foods, I was, uh, again, I was in the middle of Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm driving in my company vehicle. It's adorable. And there's a truck that says, follow me to Piggly Wiggly. And I was like, oh my God, I am following this truck to Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> to go pursue analytics. I don't know. It's, we all have these moments. So anyway, yes, it's, it's the pandemic and it's time to kind of evolve and, you know, go have some more new different experiences. And so I ended up in healthcare running analytics and e-commerce. Say I started off in the e-commerce or consumer markets group. Fantastic group. I will say a theme throughout my career is I've always been fortunate or for the most part been able to be in that startup mentality within a large cushy organization that can fund the startup. So I think my lucky star is that I've had the opportunity to continually do that. So it was full circle leading analytics and pricing. And then at some point inherited business development into my department for our suppliers to get them on board because we wanted to be that distributor that's able to really get the product out across online and e-commerce and got to apply all the supply chain stuff. And then also cloud, being able to launch analytics cockpits within the cloud and understand the costing and all that. That was a fun, it was like everything was kind of coming together very nicely. I even realized that FinOps was a thing at that point. And then earlier this year was put in charge of all of analytics for the medical surgical division. And that was my last role over at McKesson. And it was one of those things where Gen AI 
all of a sudden you get chat GPT coming in and it's like, crap, well, this is really great news. Everything. And, you know, I like to feel uncomfortable. It's totally fine. Bring it, let's mm-hmm. continue to evolve and have fun with this. But it was this focus of, okay, instead of just analytics, now we're investing in this area, like big time. It's advanced analytics. We need to pull together a P&L as, as I pull together, what's the org design? What's the vision? Where's the value? How much is it going to cost us? Well, who knows how much Gen AI is going to cost you when it's just in chat GPT until you start looking into the cloud and understanding all the different dynamics of what you're trying to solve when you move from an environment where everybody's all about CapEx, right? And you're going to develop an app or you're going to develop some analytics when in reality, we've moved over to OpEx and it's like, well, whatever the analysts have uncovered based on their best laid plans and what the usage is and how we scale it. So I think at that point I had brought in around two or three VPs on my leadership team. And we did a FinOps day where I found a random person within the organization who happens to love FinOps. And said, we're going to go, we're going to go visit you. We're going to go have a really good field day. And it was kind of a game changer for all of the leadership team that had always traditionally thought about analytics more on what is the output? What's the revenue generated? Or I had a VP of automation AI, like what is the savings associated with automating something, but not necessarily what happens in the cloud and what happens when we scale and what are our compute costs going to be? And so, so that ended up shaking their entire planning and funding all so that we can ship incontinence products <laughs> anywhere and everywhere <laughs> and make sure that everyone has it and improve that through analytics. So that was a really fun game changer again of bringing all this together. And Joe, what I've noticed is Anybody in this space, like if you find that person who's discovered the FinOps Foundation, they are obsessed. They're like, you have to do this. This is so fun. It's the best community ever. Get involved. And so, of course, what did I naturally do? I I love a good certification. Ended up getting the FinOps practitioner certification and then having members of my team go and do the same. And they just, everybody raves about it. So that is a long, long little journey that I just walked us all through, but... The next big venture now is cyber. I really feel like being able to cost out cybersecurity. Can't wait to climb that mm-hmm. mountain. That's yeah. so awesome. We were talking last week and I've already stolen so many of the things we mentioned last week. I've started pulling these into my conversations. You said FinOps is such a rewarding career for those with multi-skill backgrounds, right. which you totally just demonstrated that. And I think it's because there's very few things that mm-hmm. people who are doing FinOps and managing their cloud spend, it's not like they're creating new work. It's yeah. just work that's being applied specifically. It, you know, like it's almost just like being a, an adult. It's adulting for yeah. the cloud. It is. And it's one of those things that you don't even need to sit in a FinOps role, but you should know FinOps and yeah. You don't need to own your own P&L to be able to become valuable because I guarantee you are probably one of the few people within your organization that can connect the dots and say, hey, this is how you talk between finance and IT, and this is what it actually means, and here are the implications. That is a game changer. People will eventually keep up, but it's up to people like us to be like, hey, this is a really cool thing. You have the ability to go out and really make a difference regardless of what seat you're sitting in. So what's next for you? I am actively looking to get more involved with the foundation, and I am really looking forward to FinOps X in June, I believe, right? That's right. June 19th through 22nd. Thank you for the plug. You set me up perfectly. 
course. I'm looking forward to meeting more people in the community. Hey, FinOptonauts. I genuinely love this conversation and it is something I think I would have really benefited from having heard 10 or so years ago when I was approaching some decisions on what I wanted to do in my career. There are so many takeaways, like getting close to the PL and make sure you understand how it actually comes together so you can make the best decisions for your company and your career. Always be curious, be a gracious learner, asking people questions, being humble and respectful about what you don't know so that you can appreciate what you learn and from the people you learn it from. What I think is most inspiring about Adrian is how she pivoted between areas, supply chain management, analytics, e-commerce, et cetera, and didn't let the fact that she didn't have years of background knowledge prevent her from making any of those switches. She leveraged all her variety of skills to solve problems and succeed. I think FinOps is something that builds that for each of us as well. There are so many ways to solve a problem in the cloud, but which one of those ways generates the most value? We each have different backgrounds, skills, and perspectives to figure that out. Thank you so much to Adrian for sharing her story today. And as always, thank you to Stacey Case for helping me to remember how we start these podcasts. And thank you for listening to this. If you haven't yet, be sure to follow or subscribe to FinOps Pod wherever you are listening to it. Want to make sure our episodes get to you no matter what our release schedule is. That's it for this episode. Until next time. Keep on finopsing.